Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. Here today for quite an enthralling post-match show as Bayern Munich has just defeated bitter rivals in the Bundesliga, Derek Klassiker, 3-2 Borussia Dortmund. Just as we had for the preview show for this, we are going with the two-man show for the post-cap reaction because we have a lot to talk about in a short amount of time. And I am joined today, again, by my partner in the dynamic duo all the way across the globe, Schnitzel. Schnitzel, how are you doing? I know it's very, very late where you are, but you're making uh, sacrifices and staying dedicated so that we can talk about what was a truly incredible Dare Classicer. Yes, uh, it's going to be 1.40 a.m. here, so I might just, you know, droop off after this. But, wow, what a game. Like, that kept me at the edge of my seat, you know, the entire time. And the Classica always delivers. It was such a to-and-fro match, end-to-end action. And, you know, till the very end, could have gone either way, to be honest. And, frankly speaking, I felt that a draw would have been a more deserving scoreline for both sides, considering how much effort was put by either team going going into the game and the mistakes made by both teams during the game. But that being said, I suppose I will always take a win over a draw any day of the week, especially given Bayern are now four points ahead of Dortmund at the, at the top of the table. So satisfactory result, but could have been much better from Bayern. Right, you are. At the end of the day, a win is a win, and especially in a match of this magnitude in German football, quite possibly the biggest fixture of the season for both sides. And, you know, it bared a lot of weight this time because, as we know, Bayern winning further cemented their place at the top spot in the table. And Dortmund could have leapfrogged Bayern into the top spot had they pulled out three points at the Westfalen Stadion. But, uh, you know, I, I got to be honest, I'm still catching my breath a little bit here. I even think I forgot to say who I am, <laughs> in case you forgot. <laughs> I'm Tom Adams. That's who I am. Um, as Schnitzel knows, I'm kind of like a little bit high on life right now. Had a very nice curry yesterday evening. Liverpool won earlier. Bayern just won in dramatic fashion. So, like, I'm on cloud nine right now. I got to kind of, like, contain myself. And I've had a little bit of espresso at halftime <laughs> live tweeting that match. So I'm a little bit jittery still and a little bit excited. But, I mean, Schnitzel, this game had everything. Lewandowski scoring. Erling Haaland scoring just after returning last week against VFL Wolfsburg. We had Pigeons trying to get in on the action. We had yellow cards. We had Marco Rosa being given his marching orders and having to go basically two yards behind the technical area and watch uh, from the stands for the remainder of the match. I think it was like something like the 80-something minute uh, where he had been sent off. And, you know, just to round out the scoring summary, we had Julian Brandt with a fine finish in the fifth minute after a lovely cross from Jude Bellingham, kind of wrong-footed Alfonso Davies. Lewandowski just four minutes after after you know who Thomas Sist Muller the the assist king of the Bundesliga closed down Mats Hummels into uh you know had that deflection fell right back down to Muller's head and then he headed it right to Lewandowski he's never gonna miss 1v1 against Gregor Kobel and then right before halftime Kingsley Coman made it 2-1 after Dortmund had failed to clear their lines and then of course Erling Haaland had to make his stamp on this match and you know, to be to his credit with his weak foot, Schnitzel, that right foot, that curler after he was teed up nicely after Dio Upamakano just kind of like looked like he was trying to half chest it clear and kind of half trap it and then try and clear it. it yeah, just didn't, didn't work. Upa, Upa was pretty much in no man's land for that goal. Like he was so confused and I was just like watching him there stranded like, you know, a deer caught in the headlights and it was just pathetic to watch. But yeah. that being said, Haaland's goal. Wow. Magnificent. Yeah. 
amazing. Yeah, we, I mean, we have to give him applause for that, and especially yeah, after sure. a lengthy injury layover. And then, you know who the main man Lewandowski stepping to the spot after an unfortunate handball call on Mats Hummels, who really was like really working in Byron's favor today. Schnitzel, he really helped us out. Pretty much had having a hand in every single goal. Um, you know, not to say that he played terribly elsewhere, but he he played a hand quite literally in the third goal and in the first two goals for Bayern Munich, Lewandowski, uh, you know, in the 77th minute after that handball VAR decision, slotting home the penalty that Gregor Kobel got his hands to. And Schnitzel, I know that we were together not so long ago for the flagship episode, and you pretty much, we briefly touched base on what we were expecting from this match. You pretty much called it. Upa Makana was going to have trouble 1v1 with Erling Holland with those physical duels, those balls over the top. You talked about how the back four pretty much contorts into a back three at times uh, with how far up Alfonso Davies pushes up and, uh, you know, Benjamin Pavard's, you know, tendency to not do as much of that. And we saw that there was virtually like no midfield. It felt like at time and that back four looked like a back three and even a back two at times. And Dortmund were just so deadly on the counter, especially in the opening phases. And, you know, I'm sure you have some comments on that because like I said, I have to give you credit. You pretty much called how this one was going to go, especially from a defensive standpoint for Bayern. Yeah, and I'm uh, BFW's uh, Marcus is pretty familiar with you know my predictions and you know how good I am at foresight and all those things. So I'm kind of like the oracle of BFW and BPW, if you may. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, the game was pretty much. Uh, you know, exactly like you just summarized. And I think, obviously, Upa Makano didn't have a performance, uh, you know, to remember. It was really bad. Uh, he was caught out of position multiple times. And he's really, really struggled to hold Haaland and uh, Brandt. It, it, probably because they also look very similar, you know, Haaland and Brandt. But aside, <laughs> from, aside from that, I just think he really struggled. Uh, whenever there was like a through ball or a vertical ball, he was caught out. Of position and the runs of Haaland and Brandt, they were pretty hard to stop for him. He isn't really that fast of a defender. He is pretty quick, but he's not like among the fastest. So he had you could some say trouble. he's uh, no Niklas Zula in that respect. Yeah, he's no Niklas Zula, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that being said, I would say for the first goal, Alfonso Davies also had to take some of the blame because yeah. he, Brandt just like went past him too easily and. Uh, I, I I felt like the entire defense kind of lost the plot for the first goal. And it was too easy. Uh, like you mentioned, the midfield was nowhere to be seen. The midfield press was, uh, you know, non-existent almost, uh, especially in the first half. And it was bypassed so, so easily by the Dortmund midfielders. I think Bellingham and Royce had really good games. And Bellingham, like he dribbled through Bayern's midfield so many times. And nobody really did anything. And uh, the thing about Bayern's press is the midfield's press is very crucial to the defense. So we try to win the ball further up the pitch. And that's like our first line of defense. So after they bypass our midfield, that's when our real defense, that is the centre-backs and the full-backs, come into the picture. Yeah. And they will then try to recover the ball after the defend after the midfielders or the attackers of the opposition have been pressurized by the midfielders, which didn't happen in this game. So there were like through balls and vertical balls throughout and the midfield was taken out of the equation. And I feel like if Joshua Kimmich was present in this game, he would have controlled the tempo. He would have been an outlet for the defenders to pass the ball, which would have been pretty essential. 
And he is also much better at positioning than both Tolisso and Goretzka, I have to say. So overall, not a very good game from the midfield, pretty insignificant. And uh, from the defense, I would say Upa Makano is bad. Luca Hernandez had a pretty solid outing aside from that, you know, suspect sort of shove that he did to Marco Royce that could have well been a penalty. Yeah. But VAR didn't approach it another time, didn't need a second look. So I'm assuming that they might have, you know, had a better maybe angle than the one we had on TV. And uh, Davies was good going forward many times, but he was caught off guard in defense multiple times as well. And this could be a cause for concern because, yes, he has more freedom under Nagelsmann. And he can, you know, roam in that free left back slash left wing back slash left winger role. And he has, you know, the freedom to maraud all, you know, up and down the left wing. But the, the thing is, if you're not there, you know, right, well positioned in defense to kind of prevent opposition attacks, then it's going to be a tough time because you're leaving the left center back isolated. And it's not going to be good in, you know, big games when you're facing, you know, counter-attacking opponents. And that's what we saw in the first goal. It was just a quick pass and that's it. Uh, Julian Brandt scores a really good goal. And the second goal, well, it just came out of nowhere, but it was also a quick counter. And the defense just crumbles in those situations. So I feel the approach can be a slightly more pragmatic. Perhaps if the right back pushed up as well, maybe there'd be, you know, more of a balance. But because... Benjamin Pavard is not very good going forward. And he did struggle with, you know, the wingers and Haaland, you know, mm. coming at him. Uh, overall, I felt like the right wing and the right-hand side was weaker defensively because Upamakano and Pavard on the right, combined with Kingsley Coman, who didn't really put in much, you know, efforts with respect to defending. Yes, he was pretty good going forward, although I feel like his end product could have been better in terms of passing and in terms of decision-making. His goal was, uh, you know, a, a lucky deflection, you can say. But otherwise, yeah. uh, you know, his overall contributions to the match, I'm not sure he did great. And overall, the wingers were not, you know, so good today. Yeah, what do you I think, think about I, the wingers? I, I, yeah. I think it was even, I don't know, I can't recall who had cleared it, but I think it was, it hit Hummels and then fell right to Kingsley Coman. Um, and then yeah. he had that shot, that Kobo or somebody got a deflection to and someone even got their head on after it had crossed the line mm. and went into the upper netting. Um, but yeah, it, like just to kind of tie that together, like you're exactly right. So especially with the front line, you know, Muller, Lewandowski, Leroy Sané and Kingsley Coman, when it's not Kimmich and Goretzka playing behind them. And by the way, Nagelsmann had a tough decision to make. We knew how much of an injury and how much of a knock Goretzka was carrying coming into this. We all wondered, is he going to start? and then potentially come on to close out? Or is he going to start from the get-go, as we saw today, and get as much out of him as we could could uh, to try and make up for the lack of bodies that we had in midfield? Remember, there was a huge question of potentially even starting Jamal Musiala as a more holding central midfielder, which we really have scarcely seen. He's usually coming on as an attacking midfielder, but that plays into it. As you mentioned, Coman, perhaps one individual who's a little bit guilty of not tracking back. I know that Hansi Flick last season had made a big point of emphasis to speak with Leroy Sané to get more out of him defensively yeah. to help cover on uh, Alfonso to... Davies or for Pavard. So, yes, yeah, so what you were talking about earlier, when, that, when the, the pass isn't right, there's always going to be someone. It's either going to end up in a chance at Dortmund's end 
or Dortmund clearing the danger. And exactly as you said, when you have Tolisso, Goretzka, uh, Alfonso Davies all pushed up to join in on the attack, it takes, you know, one clearance or one, two quick zipped balls and then ping. It's Erling Haaland or Julian Brandt or Jude Bellingham in a foot race with Upamakano if they can get it on the weak side. And, you know, as we saw, Haaland is winning that foot race every time and <laughs> forcing Neuer to live up to his sweeper keeper name on a, several occasions, but heart and mouth moments for, for Bayern fans from that respect. Yeah, and uh, to add to your point of like, you know, Muziala playing in a, you know, deeper role today and, you know, manning that eight slash six position, you could see that he wasn't exactly comfortable and his impact on the game was vastly reduced because uh, he contributes a lot from the winger position. And we know that. I mean, at the beginning of the season, the first seven, eight games, he scored or assisted every single game. Every single game he featured in, he was always so productive, right, even right. in the AM role. But when you regress him, like when you put him in a six or an eight role, he is uh, pretty good with the dribbling in tight spaces and all that, but he cannot, you know, thread together the attack the way he normally does. And one of the characteristics of Muziala that contributes so well for Bayern's attack is his vision. So he gets the ball, dribbles through tight spaces, and he has this like uncanny ability to find Bayern players, you know, exactly uh, send the ball right to their feet for them to just slot it into the net. And that is so much more effective when he is allowed to operate freely as a winger in the half space or as an attacking midfielder, as opposed to like a six or an eight, where his qualities are diminished. So overall, from a tactical standpoint, I don't think Muziala should ever play in the six or the eight positions again. And Goretzka was just not good. So I was happy to see him subbed off, to be frank, because he had a very subpar game. And uh, Thomas Müller, obviously, was doing all he could to get the attack yeah. running because he was all over his same influential self. His assist was typical Thomas Müller, Ramdata yes. Rom style. <laughs> and if there's was... any man who's always going to have like an unorthodox assist, it's him. He's the yeah. king of that. <laughs> And, and and the way he you know set the ball up, Lewandowski was so good. The way Lewandowski made the run, fantastic. So those two, again, had a good, really good game. Uh, adding to the you know adding to this, I would uh, also like to mention that Lewandowski's playmaking abilities are so underrated. He had like four or five key passes this game, and he created so many chances. And I remember at least two or three uh, instances where he sent through balls to Leroy Zane that were just so so good. Yeah. And if maybe oh, his yeah. runs were timed well. a little better, and if he had reached, you know, that position maybe a second or so earlier, definitely a goal or two, a yeah. goal or two more. Or even if but perhaps Koble was like a split second slower off his Yeah, head. exactly. Koble had a great game. And uh, this is basically every XYZ Bundesliga keeper against FC Bayern München. Right. We talked they about just, that last time. It's yeah. like an un, unwritten pact that goalkeepers union, they all have it. Stefan Ortega last week handed the baton to Gregor Kobel and said, all right. You're yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure there's like a, a goalkeepers association WhatsApp group against Bayern Munich. <laughs> and they like <laughs> discuss strategies and like Passover ideas and how to like stop Bayern attackers because they're all doing really good against Bayern's attack. And frankly speaking, yeah, I think it was Phil Bonney who mentioned it. 
so you mentioned the pigeon invasion on the pitch. So yes, yes. it was like <laughs> the pigeons seem to be, you know, marching forward in a 3-3-4 formation with four forwards. <laughs> they did <laughs> show is, great tactical yeah. awareness. And Nicolas Zula, yeah. you know, the pigeons Better showed, tactical showed great awareness, awareness to get away from Zula when he was running Better towards tactical them. awareness than Bayern's wingers and defenders for sure, you know, <laughs> at least in this game. Like the structure. I didn't know why, uh, for example... Benjamin Pavard, when he went forward, he was just so isolated and he always passed backwards. Like even when he had the chance to maybe send it forward to Kingsley Coman or send it across, he just sends it back to the central defense. And that's so unproductive. And in I that, feel in like... that first half when he is, Dortmund had cleared a corner and Pavard, yeah. you know, we, he only used to score worldies. I don't know if you remember when he tried the left-footed volley. <laughs> when it was closer to going out for a throw and then a goal kick, but it did sneak out for a goal kick. I was just wondering what uh, I need no name is doing watching that. Yeah, I, I was, yeah, you know, very, hoping that none of his furniture got destroyed in that moment because I could very much see him like not having a good time with that chance. From I, I, I don't, I don't want to say this. Like, I, I feel very uncomfortable saying this. I feel like Benjamin Pavard is like the French Aaron Wan Bissaka. <laughs> like you see what I mean Aaron Ron Bissaka has been criticized recently for just you know passing backwards and like not being good with his passing accuracy and overall attacking inputs and that is what we expect from a fullback and Benjamin Pavard is just not giving that to us so considering Niklas Zula is having to come in for Upamakano at central defense you know especially with the performances he's putting in like the one against Dortmund today if he continues He's still young, granted, but he does tend to struggle against physical strikers. And this is something that needs to be taken into consideration going into every single game, especially when you're playing top-tier opponents. He is more comfortable defending against probably, you know, strikers like uh, Mo Salah, who are not exactly physical. They're more reliant on speed, you know? Yeah. And maybe, you know, just uh, dribbling skills or whatever. And I would say the same with, you know, players like Jaden Sancho or perhaps uh, Kylian Mbappe. So I think um, Upamakano would be better in those matchups, but not against players like Erling Haaland or Romelu Lukaku, who are just so powerful and so like physical. And I think Upa struggles against those kinds of players, especially if they have good pace, which Haaland does. And that is why Upa was just having a very, very torrid day. Yeah, I On mean, the, I, yeah. I have to agree with you. I wonder if maybe in those situations... You know, maybe would it be wise to just slot Zula back in alongside Hernandez and give Upa a rest and come on as a sub if need be and, you know, just keep Pavard out on the right flank and, and Davies on the left for those situations? Yeah, I agree. Yes. So uh, I don't uh, I don't exactly. So with Davies, I think it's Nagelsmann's doing a great job and I love his, uh, you know, offensive productivity. But I just feel like maybe he also needs to be, you know, a bit more well-drilled when it comes to defending so that he can approach the defensive side of things a bit more cautiously instead of just leaving a wide gaping hole. And Nagelsmann's are three at the back, the hybrid, you know, three, four at the back thing might be beneficial with Davies venturing forward because Luca Hernandez then becomes like a makeshift left back yeah. Upa becomes like a makeshift center back at the center of the defense and Pavar becomes a makeshift right center back. So that kind of, you know, counterbalances Davies' uh, movement forward. But since uh, 
you know, the defenders just lost the plot today. I don't know. Nagelsmann's tactics should function properly, should be beneficial to Bayern. But these goals, they're just not, you know, a good look when they're conceded. Like, you cannot do anything to prevent those kinds of goals, like the Haaland one. I mean, those are just moments of individual brilliance. And I don't blame the defense outside of Upamakano, who was no yeah. man's land for, for that goal. And it was just one through ball. Was it from Bellingham or Dahoud? I'm not sure. I think it was for for, for Braun's goal. For Haaland's goal, like the pass. Uh, I think it was yeah. Bellingham, right? I, and I, yeah, was and then it? I think uh, Malin might have got Oh, yeah, probably Malin. But yeah, the probably initial Malin. ball, I, it was either yes. Dayoud or uh, Bellingham. Yeah, and uh, ha- Haaland was just isolated. And he just, you know, took a shot and it went into the back of the net. And for Brand's goal, he just waltz past two of our defenders with no resistance whatsoever. So these kinds of things need to be improved. And uh, Bayern should focus more on the defensive aspect of things. Yes, the defense is definitely better than the flick era, but it's not a very high bar, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, they just conceded goals for fun. So we're not trying to exactly, you know, exceed those expectations. We want to do much better. We want to keep those clean sheets. And for that, the defense has to become much better. Yeah, it's almost as if this game was like a reminder to us that, you know, obviously we know we always have it in our back pocket that Fonzie, you know, FC Bayern Roadrunner, meep, 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 has those recovery runs in him. But if you're playing the odds, if you have to make 20 of those recovery runs in a game, eventually one of them is not going to work and it's going to be a bad situation and it's going to result in a 1v1 Upa Makano versus Holland and a shot on goal in a dangerous situation for Dortmund. So, you know, other teams that come up against Bayern can use that sort of as a blueprint if they have a similar playing style because Marco Rosa was clearly intent on trying to catch Bayern out on the counter. Uh, as we saw, that was pretty much the story of the first half and for large phases of the second half. But Schnitzel, just to close this out, I mean, I know that uh, we're going to be welcoming back Joshua Kimmich at some point next week, but it was Corentin Tolisso that paired Leon Goretzka in the middle of the park today. And for me, I think his performance was just typified by the stoppage time chance when Koba had gone up for a corner kick for Dortmund in the dying minutes. And Tolisso had Davies wide open on the left, a wide open goal, and he just completely botched his effort, put it wide right. And, you know, I know it was going to be a tall ask for him stepping in with a basically 60% Leon Goretzka playing with that knock, as we mentioned in the beginning of this pod. But, you know, just just a quick word on him. I mean, I know that uh, it's a big situation for him, but, you know, Nagelsmann would like to know that he can rely on Tolisso in those situations when perhaps either Goretzka or Kimmich aren't available. I mean, how do you think he fared today? Is it concerning? Uh, or do you think it's, uh, you know, food for thought and that he can easily improve on those performances I think, today? I think Tolisso's main issue is consistency. Like, he puts in a good shift and then he's just not good the next game. He was yeah. pretty good uh, in the previous game, Bayern's game against Armenia. But this game, he's, it was just not good. I didn't like the way he was just bypassed so easily. And I would say the same with Goretzka, but you can cut him some slack because he was at 60% like Nagelsmann mentioned. But Tolisso, he's not doing himself any favors with these kinds of performances. And it's not about Nagelsmann being able to trust him or anything because I think he's gone at the end of the season anyways. It's not... I don't think Bayern is going to plan, you know, into the future uh, with uh, Tolisso, you know, taken into consideration because I think at the end of the season, he's gone. And he... I wouldn't have a problem with that because... We've waited far too long. We've given him ample opportunities, but he either keeps getting injured 
or is just inconsistent when on the pitch. So Yozua yeah. Kimmich coming back, and I hope for God's sake that he gets vaccinated because it's so frustrating. Like, I don't want a vaccination, a vaccination situation to stop us from fielding our best 11 because that's just a shame. Yeah. Imagine having the best players in the world only to feel like a makeshift starting 11 because some of your players are stubborn against the vaccine. So Yeah, and what's he missed now? Is this just the fourth or the third? I third think game? this is the third game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember early because I was confused with when he had con- actually gotten his positive test. I th- I thought he might be back in time, but I was sadly mistaken. Yeah. That. Um I I really hope uh he can get get vaccinated and start featuring in games again because he is so crucial as we saw today. That pass would have been inch perfect had Kimish done it. But because it was Tuliso, it was botched, right? And we all know how important Kimmich's playmaking is also, you know, to buy yeah. his approach. He can send in those balls from deep and he can, like, put in pinpoint crosses, precision diagonal balls and long balls that really feed Bayern's attack and put them, give them a numerical advantage in many situations, which we are really missing. So he gives us that cutting edge. And I think if he comes back, he goes back into the starting eleven. I really hope Marcel Zabitzer can turn up the tide because outside of Kimmich and maybe Goretzka to an extent, our backup midfielders are just not looking good at the moment. Yeah. So for a squad that has high ambitions like winning the Champions League, the midfielders really need to you know, step up, especially Zabitzer because of all the expectations on him and how good he was at RB Leipzig because we have seen how, what he's capable of at his best. So I would like to see that again at Bayern. It might take time to adjust. It might take time for us. And maybe we're all anxiously waiting for him to have this sort of remontada. But hopefully that happens because Tolisso isn't cutting it for me. I didn't have to agree. And Schnitzel, it feels like we've only been talking for five minutes after what was a truly, truly traditional Dare Classicer with all that it entailed within yeah, it. Yeah, the fans... But... There was like just 10,000 of them or something, but yeah, it was 15, crazy, 000, the yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, the atmosphere was amazing, man. Like the whistles and the boos every time a decision went against Dortmund. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. Always, always a fantastic atmosphere, even without, you know, a full quote-unquote yellow wall, the section of the ultras. And um, at the that refereeing stadium. was kind of suspect today. Yeah. We had, I, had, I remember uh, in, in a few of our other contributors when we had found out on Slack that it was going to be Felix Vire. Uh, we all kind of were like, oh, no, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, and I, I would... had to I had to like be reminded of some of the matches that he had officiated. But when some yeah. of said matches came up, I'm like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> it's going like, to be fun. Decisions went wrong both both ways, like both for Bayern and for Dortmund. But I would say like Dortmund probably would have been very pissed that the first penalty, possible penalty, wasn't reviewed by VAR properly, wasn't reviewed properly by VAR. And uh, several instances when, you know, fouls were not awarded to both Bayern and Dortmund players, when Bayern got the penalty they deserved in the second half. So it was very iffy, a lot of question marks, and I hope they can, you know, increase the standards of the officiating in the Bundesliga because we don't want to end up like the Premier League or the La Liga, you know. Yeah, with respect to refereeing, it's just shambolic in those leagues. And the Bundesliga, I expect better standards from the German league because it stands for precision and it, the VAR has been much better in the Bundesliga. So I want those standards to be maintained. And uh, refereeing like this, uh, it just, you know, kind of taints 
that standard that we expect, that quality that we expect. So I hope for better refereeing in the coming games. And Felix Zwer, please, man, if you're listening to this, you know, step up your game. Yeah, it certainly was not shy of talking points. And I think Dortmund fans have every right to be a little bit frustrated with that lack of a penalty call on Marco Royce. But Schnitzel, just to kind of kind of wrap this up, I know I didn't prep you for this ahead of time, but just a quick note for either side, man of the match, who are you, who are you picking? Okay, that's no, one a for each tricky side. question. I would say based on, um, you know, the work rate and obviously the match inputs, uh, man of the match for Bayern Lewandowski, hands down. Yeah. Really influential, fantastic player. And uh, uh, for, for Dortmund, uh, this one's tricky. I'm going to go with Jude Bellingham. Yeah. I thought he was class as well. For me, I am going to go, just as we were talking about earlier, more of uh, unorthodox as far as noticing the contributions, but Thomas Muller, like uh, he's a guy who is just a true Bavarian at heart, very, very used to Der Klassiker, very used to playing in that hot, hostile atmosphere at the Westfalenstadion. Uh, I thought he was brilliant, especially, you know, typified by Lewandowski's first goal when he closed on Mats Hummels and everything he did and creating space for people as he's so often doing uh, in matches. And, you know, I just thought he was uh, put out another fantastic performance and yeah. less obvious choice, obviously, to uh, Lewandowski in the brace. And just for Dortmund, uh, to take it on a more serious note, I'm just going to go with uh, Julian Brandt and the physios and the players for, you know, baying the physios to get on as quickly as possible and assess him. Uh, I, it was kind of a heart and mouth moment. I was very concerned for... Julian Brandt after he clashed with Dio Ubermakano uh, in the second half. And, you know, you never, ever, ever, regardless of who you're rooting for, like seeing those situations. And thankfully, it looked like Brandt had at least gotten up and was conscious when he was being stretchered off. But, you know, credit to the players and physios for addressing that very quickly. And I also thought he had a fantastic performance prior to having to come off, uh, you know, capped by his uh, early goal. Um, so, Schnitzel, unless you had any closing thoughts on that, I mean, I think we did our best to condense. I know we probably went over yeah. uh, time a little bit, but I mean, it's hard to condense, you know, all yeah. the action that we just Regarding saw unfold. The MOTM, you know, picks. I would say that for Bayern, uh, because we have Muller and Lewandowski, like it's so hard to pick between them. It is yeah. <laughs> considering you know they both tend to have some really really good games together, and they feed off of each other. It's like a synergy. It's like a beautiful kind of symbiotic relationship that they have. It's like they're better than the sum of their parts. So like Lewandowski or Muller alone, like the contributions added together, it would be less than, yeah. you know, what they offer together. We, we, need, we need like a subcategory. Man of the yes. match for Bayern other than Lewandowski. Muller, Dowski, Dowski. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's Muller, Dowski up here, and then below you pick a man of the match of the rest. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Yes. Yeah, they were both so, so good. And uh, yeah, fair picks. Uh, Julian Brandt, again, good pick. And the physios, uh, good yes. job. You know, I, I usually, like you said, it is heart in the mouth moments for me as well. And I'm also happy Upamecano came out, you know. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I can't just say I'm only yeah. glad yeah. Brandt was okay. Obviously, I just had phrased it that way because it looked like Upamecano had gotten up much quicker, but you cannot take those things yes. lightly. Head injuries, very, very serious uh, business. And then Lucas uh, Hernandez seemed yeah, like with he got the, injured uh, ankle like and minutes later. And I was like, here we go, FC Hospital again. I know. <laughs> so thankfully, know. we don't have injuries. And uh, it's, it's, you know, just always a kind of an achievement in itself for Bayern players to come out of games without injuries. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. Got to count your blessings. 
I guess oh, that's it from my side, Tom. Yeah, so that's I it. think that yeah. just about wraps it up. Schnitzel, it's been a blast. I know we don't always do these uh, two-man postcaps for the postcap show, but the occasion, I think, called for it. Uh, and, you know, this match fit the billing. So please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe Bavarian Podcast Works on whatever platform you do use. I'll just go on, go on ahead and say, you know, especially if the aliens are out there listening, let us know, send us a signal. Um, but until next time, which I believe will most probably be a preview for our final group stage match in the Champions League against Barcelona, which would pretty much be a victory lap for us, having already guaranteed winning the group and advancement to the knockout stages. Until next time, thank you very, very much for listening again. Auf Wiedersehen.